Hello and welcome to the Autism in Real Life podcast. In each episode, you'll get practical strategies by taking a journey into the joys and challenges of life with autism. I'm your host, Ilya Walsh, and I'm an educator and a parent of two young adults, one of which is diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. One of the things I was thinking about um, in this last week is when I work with people, uh, most of my world, right, especially right now, is home and, uh, you know, uh, working with other people who are similar to myself, right? We, we uh, know a lot about the world of autism. We know a lot about the students that we work with. We know a lot about education because it's what we do. And, you know, I, I often have to pause and say, uh, wait, we're using all of these terms. And I know when I first uh, was learning about my son's diagnosis and when I was becoming uh, a teacher, there was all of this jargon. And I know that, um, you know, when we're working in any environment or in any industry, there is a lot of, uh, hey, welcome. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, jargon that we hear and a lot of acronyms and a lot of terms. And it can get really frustrating uh, sometimes because you're not sure what people are talking about and you feel like you're missing little pieces. Uh, so one of the things, you know, and it takes some time to kind of learn uh, what all of that means, but then at some point you start using it yourself and you forget that you didn't know what those things meant. Uh, so I often call it alphabet soup. And so I say, you know, okay, well, what kind of alphabet soup do we have going on here? So, um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. In my experience, uh, there are two different types of alphabet soup. I kind of bucket them into two different areas. So one is, um, you know, the jumble of letters and terms as well that uh, refer to a diagnosis or to something that someone has uh, said, a, you know, a student or a person um, might be you know, dealing with, might be working with. Uh, and then there's the other bucket of terms and letters where we're talking about different types of therapies that we might be using or different uh, professionals or educational strategies and tools. So I wanted to just like kind of demystify a little bit that uh, a little bit about that. Um, and, you know, I still get, you know, called out on, wait, I don't know what that term means, or I don't know what, what you're talking about right now. Can you back up? And I wish I had done that earlier on, because I know I would sit in a room, um, especially as an early teacher, and not know sometimes some of the things people were saying. And so I was trying to figure it out. And uh, I also know as a parent, sometimes terms were being used in meetings that I didn't understand. So it took me some time to get to that place. And now, yes, you can look these terms up if you even remember what's happened in the meeting, because there's so much information that's happening. 
So I wanted to kind of demystify um, the alphabet soup a little bit. So uh, I also recognize that depending on what, uh, where you live um, and what districts you're in, and sometimes the school, you know, each school within the district uh, might have its own, uh, you know, kind of glossary of terms. Uh, and so it is important to make sure that you ask about what you're hearing so that you know what's going on in the room. Um, so I wanted to kind of, like I said, demystify this. So I know I might miss some terms. I know that there are things out there that I don't know. Um, so please, please definitely leave me a comment or message me or email me with some terms that I may have missed. So that way I can kind of add them to a glossary. I might, maybe I'll make this sort of like a, a newsletter or an article that I'll have uh, these terms in here. So we can call like our glossary of terms for um, this world here. But so here we go. We have uh, the diagnosis, right? So we might have heard ASD. Uh, so right now that is the diagnosis that is given for those who are on the autism spectrum. So that's what it stands for, autism spectrum disorder. Um, and then we have some older terms that may have been used. So we have AS, which would be for Asperger syndrome. We have HFA, which would be high-functioning autism. We have PDD, which is pervasive development disorder. And then you may have also seen PDD with a little hyphen NOS, which is pervasive development disorder, not otherwise specified. Uh, so that's another term. And then we have some co-occurring um, diagnoses that, you know, some of our kids might also have. And again, this is not an exhaustive list, but it's the ones that seem to be uh, most common. And um, I actually have a whole training just on uh, co-occurring conditions. So, um, you know, you can check that out as well. But so some of these might be ADD, attention deficit disorder, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, we have OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder. Um, and then we have a few other things. We have SI, so for sensory integration, and maybe it might be um, SPD, so sensory processing disorder. Uh, and then we have GI, which is just gastrointestinal um, stuff, I'm going to say, but you might hear GI disorder. Uh, and then something tagged on to that is GERD, which you know, many of us might be really familiar with, um, but uh, gastroesophageal reflux, which some of our um, kids might have. And then there's one term that's kind of new, and uh, it's ARFID, A-R-F-I-D, and that's avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. Um, so part of uh, sort of an eating disorder, but not quite the same as, uh, let's say, anorexia or bulimia. So those are just some of the diagnosis letters. Um, and I laugh uh, only because a lot of these have, you know, the disorder thing in there. And I think that can be very stigmatizing. Um, but we can talk about that another time. <laughs> but for now, I just want to throw out some terms out there so that you can um, kind of know some of the things that you might hear. Um, as far as healthcare professionals, I have, it's sort of maybe there's um, three buckets, maybe not just two, but I want to throw in some terms for healthcare professionals because 
we might be seeing them uh, to look for a diagnosis or to get more information, and we might be referred there. So you may go to your pediatrician, right? And they might send you to a developmental pediatrician. And, or you might go to your primary care physician or your family physician, and they might send you to a developmental pediatrician. And a developmental pediatrician is sort of a specialization in pediatrics that covers um, specifically, and I'm going to read it here so that you know, is a diagnosis, treatment, and management of children, adolescents, children and adolescents uh, with developmental and behavioral conditions. So uh, I also recognize that developmental pediatricians do not exist everywhere. They can be really hard to find. So depending on where you live, that might be uh, a challenge. So, um, so this is not to say that your pediatrician cannot also help you uh, or your family physician or other primary care provider. Uh, but if you hear the term developmental pediatrician, you know what the difference is. Um, and then we have a neuropsychologist. So you might be familiar with a psychologist. Um, oftentimes, people go to a psychologist for therapy uh, or for counseling. But a neuropsychologist, again, this is sort of a subspecialty in that, where it's understanding the relationship between the physical uh, brain and behavior. And this might be the person who also might do an evaluation for uh, autism or for other uh, developmental or neurological, you know, uh, conditions that might be suspect, right? So they might do those types of evaluations. And, you know, to kind of dig deeper, we have, you know, the generic psychologist and psychiatrist. Um, and so the psychologist might be the person who you'll see, as I said, for therapy, counseling, um, for behavior um, challenges. And if you go to a psychiatrist, usually that person is a person who will uh, sort of do an evaluation for medication and be the prescriber for medication. Uh, so that's you know, sort of the high-level look at the healthcare professionals. And then if we go into more of the educational terms and therapies that uh, you might be hearing about for your child or for students, um, and I also know in the classroom, you know, I was looking at um, and, uh, different types of documents and talking with uh, in different meetings and hearing these terms, and it took some time to learn them. But here we go. Uh, again, the educational terms you might hear is OT and that's an occupational therapist. PT, physical therapist. Um, you might hear SPL, and that is a speech language pathologist. And we also have, you know, people in the classroom themselves, though all of those might work in a classroom, or you might see any of those privately as well outside of school. Uh, but in the classroom, you might hear IA, and that's an instructional assistant. You might hear the term para or paraprofessional. Um, and para is just a short version of paraprofessional, or you might hear a TA, which is a teaching assistant. Now, all three of those could do the same thing, um, depending on the schools that you're in, and they could all do something different, again, depending on the school that you're in. Uh, so, you know, when you're hearing those terms or when you're asking for perhaps someone to support a student or support your child, you might want to think about if you're hearing an instructional assistant versus a paraprofessional versus a teaching assistant, what 
what do they mean by each one of those and what would be the responsibility of each of them? So you'd want to get clear about that. Uh, and then if we move further down, some of these uh, previous educational support people, and, and they're super important, um, might all be on an IEP. And an IEP is an individualized education plan. And um, you know, that is a document that is created within the school based on an evaluation of your, of your child or your student. Uh, and it's a document that's created that is to set goals and carry out uh, a plan for your student, for the student um, that's very individual and very customized to what their needs are and what the goals are. And that is uh, sort of a living document. It is something that can be and should be updated regularly, um, aside from just the one time a year that is, um, you know, sort of there's always this once a year meeting where you refine the IEP and you execute it for the following year, let's say. Um, but it is a living document and it can be changed at any time. Um, and then uh, you might hear the term CST as a teacher, I know I heard that, and that's a child study team. I know that state to state and district to district, that team might uh, have a different acronym. Um, but that team is comprised of uh, the student's family, um, the student's teachers, uh, a special ed, uh, maybe a special education liaison um, who sort of represents the special ed department within a school or maybe a district, depending on how big your district is. And uh, there might be other people involved. It could be an occupational therapist in there. There could be a speech therapist in there. Um, maybe there's uh, an assistant that's working with the child in there. Uh, so that meeting can change and um, be uh, amorphous. Now, aside from that, there could be an, ad an additional meeting that uh, a group of people that are comprised, and I, you know, I'm, I don't even know the acronym because there could be different, again, depending on the school, uh, but it's comprised of the teachers and the administrators within the school that might meet to um, when there's a concern about a, a student. And that might happen before uh, they actually bring it to um, a parent. So uh, it's sort of like a teacher. I know as a teacher, if I had a concern about a student, I would go to uh, where I feel like maybe the student needs to be evaluated. I would go to maybe the school psychologist. I would go to maybe the school um, special ed uh, director uh, or someone that works in that department and say, I have a concern about this student. Uh, these are the things that I'm seeing. And you know, we need to talk to the family and we need to come up with a plan. And so we would maybe meet together first and say, okay, what are we, what are we seeing? How, how do we um, proceed and what are the next steps? And that sort of kicks off uh, this whole evaluation process and discussing with the family and starting to enlist all the resources. Now, the teacher is not the only one that can lead that conversation. Uh, the family can, of course, lead that conversation as well. Uh, so that's a, a little bit in there. Some of the additional names you might or acronyms you might hear is a BCBA, um, and that is a board-certified behavior analyst. 
and they are certified to carry out uh, plans for ABA, which is applied behavior analysis. Um, and then, you know, that is its own uh, type of therapy. And, you know, I, I will talk more about that in the future. And then the other one that I had that's sort of a newer term is a CAC, which is a certified autism consultant. And um, that is someone who might be brought into a school to work with the district, work with a particular child, work with a family, um, also could maybe do some coaching um, as well for adults or for families. So again, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a list of the most common things that I've seen in working with families, uh, in my own personal experience, and also, you know, working with educators. So with that said, I, I've worked with over 600 educators uh, teaching, and just this last year, maybe about 120. Uh, and, you know, they are still bringing up terms in, uh, in our sessions, in our workshops that I have not heard before. So I will say, hey, pause. Um, who, does everybody know what that is? And, you know, I, honestly, half of the room, because there's teachers from all over, will say, I've never heard of that before, but I kind of think it might mean this based on the context, right? So we're just figuring it out based on context and not really understanding what the term is. So, uh, and these can evolve as um, schools and districts change their special education policies, uh, change their programming, uh, maybe bring in new services or bring in new programs from the outside. Uh, they will change the terms and the terms will be a little bit different. So, um, but some of these that I've given here are pretty standard. Uh, again, if you see, you know, that I mean, if you've if I've missed anything, uh, please definitely let me know. Message me, email me. Uh, and, and I think um, all of these, you know, have their own discussion around um, around them. And that is something I plan to bring in the future is discussions around some of these. So if you see anything or, you know, that have heard anything today that you would like to know more information about, uh, or you want me to talk more about, please, again, contact me and uh, I will, you know, do a session on that. So thank you so much for listening uh, and enjoy your day. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh, and if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. Also, if you join our email list at thespectrumstrategy.com, you can get a code to attend one of my online courses for free. See you next time.